Dangling After Dark with Dick Dangle episode 445 features an epic full episode interview with the incredible cam couple of Anna Cherry and Richard Rawl of Tabletopless ORG. Warning, this show is only for adults who like sex. Does your dick hang low? Does it dangle to and fro? Can you tie it in a knot? Can you tie it in a bow? (laughs) Don't worry. Dick will be coming. Welcome to the Covert Nation. Here he is. Dick Jangle. As the phrase goes, sometimes the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It is true with my next guest, which is a statement because their parts are pretty spectacular. She is a Why Not nominated cover model who was spotlighted in Cosmopolitan magazine. He brings a level of strength and sophistication that complements her style and energy. Together, they are an Avia-nominated pair of modern and medieval masterminds with a brand all of their own. I hope you are ready to take this journey with Anna Cherry, and King Richard Rawl. They are tabletopless ORG. How are you guys doing? Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Man, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into any of it, because we actually got quite a bit to talk about, can you please tell everybody where they could find you online and on social media and everywhere in between? Well, uh, you can find us together uh, every week uh, doing hardcore D&D and other role-playing games on our project, tabletopless.org is our website. And you can find us on social media, tabletopless.org on Twitter and Instagram. And we also uh, do more of the hardcore uh, live reality porn camming on Streamate uh, the rest of the time. Um, And you can find that on AnnaCherryLive.com. And uh, my Twitter is back. <laughs> so Anna Cherry Live on Twitter, Instagram, all free only fans. And did you see what platform uh, Tabletopless is normally broadcasting on? It is on ePlay. ePlay, okay. Yeah. And what about you? Uh, me? Well, you know what? I'm there with you the whole time. I, I am uh, 100% support of Anna Cherry. That's... And he also has RichardRall.com <laughs> with all of his links. And she's supporting well. me. I mean, I've seen your work. It's definitely a team effort. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We like it. First, let me say this. Happy belated birthday to you, Anna. Your birthday was on January 16th. So I couldn't wish you when I saw you in Las Vegas at AVN. So I'm I'm going to do it now, even though I'm like a month late. But, you know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm very honored that you uh, remembered and looked into that. That is a very good uh, interviewer uh, thing you did. <laughs> thank you. Some people call it stalking. Some people call it being a good interviewer. <laughs> That's called research, okay? <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> It was an absolute pleasure to meet both of you at AVN in Las Vegas this past year. It was tough because we met at a restaurant. You guys were eating, and it was kind of wrapping up. You were there with uh, Jacob Eater from Why Not, and he introduced us, which was really nice. And I just loved everything that you guys were bringing 
to what you do and to the adult industry. But before we get to any of that, I'm a man who believes in love. Can you please tell me how the two of you met? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was my first week of college. <laughs> And I was 18. Um, and I actually grew up in Eastern Europe up until I was about um, 13 and a half or so. And so I had kind of um, a bringing that focused on uh, things that are like going out and dancing and uh, liking electronic music and, and certain uh, maybe a more old fashioned uh, style in some ways compared to my peers. But I did manage to get uh, my new friend who had a car to get me to go dancing and then <laughs> then i uh basically i had been uh starting to go out after um separating you know from a long uh relationship and i uh, was kind of just you know stretching my wings and and uh, challenging myself to meet new people because uh, the truth of the matter is my background is in software engineering so you know i had to kind of overcome a, a lot of uh typical nerd um you know trepidation etc and uh and so like my goal for that night was uh you know it's like you know i've, I've been meeting i want to i want to kiss a girl on a dance floor that's i really want i just want to do that and you know and i saw her all the way across the dance floor and and just the way that she moved was magic i was like oh man that girl over there and uh and so yeah so i went up uh you know kind of Got up to her and we started dancing, started kissing on the dance floor. And uh, and then from there, we just went back and had some really neat conversations. The funny thing was, uh, you know, she just had the same interest right off the bat. Because, uh, you know, it's one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, this, um, I guess it's a, a technology that had started with um, mind reading, sort of. In other words, like where they, they um, you could put your, you know, two fingers on a, on a little pad and think left or think right. And a skier would go back and forth. And, you know, we, so we started talking about these various neuroscience topics because she was. I was going to college for psychology uh, with the goal of being a therapist. And in fact, as we, as our relationship progressed, uh, he inspired my love of neuroscience uh, as my really good uh, cognitive psychology professor, who ended up being my advisor, as I, on the day of declaration of major, which is two years into college normally, I switched off of psychology and declared neuroscience. In hindsight, may not have been the best decision, and, and maybe we can touch on that, uh, but in terms of academia, but in terms of my personal knowledge and my passion, uh, that's something that always was uh, something I enjoyed. And uh, we ended up talking about three hours or more. And uh, uh, tell us about the sharks, like you told me before. <laughs> tell us, oh, man, tell us about so the sharks and how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just I, I, one of the things I pointed out is that they had found that sharks could hunt through electromagnetism and so they they actually had to bury cables deeper in the ocean because sharks were like digging them up and attacking them mm -hmm. and so that was one of those things i was you know talking to her about because you know it was just it's just something we ended up sort of sharing right off the bat is this interest in in uh, neuroscience and you uh, you also sparked my interest in uh your big uh love and um uh thing you've spent a lot of time doing which is physics yes okay so i i wasn't going to necessarily talk much about it but sure let's talk about it oh no back to the day when we met uh yeah i actually saw him across the club uh and i thought he was maybe a manager or somebody because he was the way he was 
talking to people, uh, the way people were approaching him, the handshakes. I'm like, oh, clearly this guy owns this club. (laughs) 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 But I did not know that was him when we were dancing. I did feel someone come up behind me and I was receptive to being danced with. Uh, Then I felt a kiss on my neck. And discovered my neck was in erogenous zone. (laughs) Uh, And then he pulled my uh, face back and I saw his face and we kissed and it was good. And then we went somewhere more quiet. Uh, And uh, my friend who got me there uh, and another friend that came with us uh, were very upset because they were sitting at a bar alone while we were talking for three to four hours about (laughs) sharks and, and neuroscience and all sorts of things like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. so did i bring up some some physics topics that first night or was that because it was also that something. was 16 years ago so i do not remember <laughs> but i do remember the sharks they made an impression <laughs> and i will admit to that point in trying to prepare for this interview this is probably the first one that i don't want to say i was intimidated by but i had kind of a hard time putting together questions in a way that didn't make me sound like an idiot. Like, <laughs> because you both of you are so hyper intelligent. I'm like, why are they on my show? <laughs> well, look, I appreciate that. But we're very down to earth, yeah. too. That's yes. like, we kind of refuse to, um, I don't know, we, we sort of refuse to, to be part of that uh, holding yourself apart from people just based on. I don't know, meaningless things. We're all human beings. We're all, and that's the, you know, that's, that's part of the thing with, uh, you know, we are showing a vulnerable side of ourselves in exposing our sexuality. And we kind of appreciate that part of really connecting with humans on a human level. And there's something about the, uh, uh, the word authenticity may be uh, overused at this point, but there is something about showing your vulnerabilities and your fallibilities, uh, including in the mental realm, while also maintaining a certain standard of intelligence or however people see us. So I, I, in fact, it is difficult at times because it certainly is punished in many circles, but I do find it empowering to reveal my flaws because there is this element of, like you said, uh, intimidation and unapproachability. And I do frequently like to point out that now I'm just a dumb cam girl. Like I just, is we're just sex people. Like don't, you know, don't put us on that kind of pedestal because of the, the social thing. As you're saying, there is a separation, a, an artificial separation between people sometimes based on certain external accolades or whatnot. And I think it just really gets in the way of genuine human connection and also growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just talking with a friend yesterday about how I, I just I, it's my pet peeve that like a lot of times a comedian can't be somebody who also runs for office because there's just sort of this game that people play about, you know, you, the, some sort of persona that's saying like, respectability and things like that. And I just I want to shatter that so hard that it's like, you know, there is a you can be a comedian and somebody who's who's showing the the fallibility of a a, a person oh, like and a still class be clown. yeah a yeah. class clown and still be somebody who should be eligible for leadership you know there's like based it, on the merit of their ideas right exactly <laughs> and so just the the and so that's sort of something the entire adult industry has faced where it's like uh you know somehow showing you know showing your junk is is somehow that's that makes you a less uh, a person who can't be Couldn't you know possibly. a politician or can't be that's that's com- so ridiculous or an and educator or you know and you it's know. like at some point we got to overcome what that is and that's just like it's some sort of weird instinct 
And it's like, there's just no reason for it. It definitely is. Uh, as a neuropsychology graduate, I will tell you, it is, <laughs> it is a human instinct. But I mean, that's how we end up with not so uh, good uh, leaders. Uh, be- and and uh, so often they're seen as liars because they are, because we are not allowing them to be fallible. So yeah. there's kind of a... Catch- so they have to put on some sort of fake perfection mm-hmm. persona that isn't real. And then, and then people won't record, won't allow them to be anything but perfect. They won't allow people to be human. And then when you won't allow them to be that, then all that they can present is a lie. And so we've set up a system where our politicians are liars because we require them to be, and that's just not acceptable. And I think that, I don't know, I, I, I noticed there's a lot of people in sex work who are also, you know, they had, they had very mainstream, you know, important jobs and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they, and they've decided to to move to sex work. And I think that, I don't know, a lot of that crossover has started to erode that bear, that artificial barrier. And I kind of love that. Yeah, for sure. And that's one thing that I'm sure you've noticed in working in adult, the amount of performers at any level, be a cam or their own content or shooting for studios, the amount that are at a high level in whatever field or education that they could be, it's unreal how many people have reached those certain plateaus where you go, that is crazy that you were able to achieve that. And then also like yourselves be vulnerable and be sexual and, and be on camera for people. I, I think that there's actually, it's more noble in a way where you're able to say, no, look, I can be that, but I can also be this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of a, um, there's some uh, various religious practice, et cetera, where there is the uh, the breaking of taboos is is part of, you know, the religion. And uh, and I kind of have some of that uh, influence in my in my personal philosophy as well. There is like breaking those unnecessary taboos should be sort of a a practice that makes all of us better. And from my perspective, um, from what I've seen uh, of myself and my friends in the academia, I guess, circles, uh, going to school, etc. The people I've made friends with uh, over sharing in nerdy interests and things like that. There is a massive amount of porn adjacent or porn direct people who are also some level of nerd or scientific professional. Yeah, that's funny. There's and, so much crossover. Yeah, and, and my personal uh, theory uh, is, well, a personal theory, but I, I will wager um, if I could do uh, research on this, I would, but there's no grant money in this, uh, <laughs> that there's a, a lot of overlap between people that on the autistic spectrum, um, those who are uh, like myself that are Asperger's and have a uh, like high functioning autism. Uh, so now I guess the better word for that is neurodivergence because it does... It's an umbrella term. for such a mm -hmm. continuum, right? Right. And there's conflation between ASD, uh, autism spectrum, and ADHD. And so it's all still kind of a murky pool. So neurodivergence is probably the best word. Uh, There's a tremendous amount of neurodivergent people in porn. um, And that, therefore, our interests are also aligned in the more nerdy spheres. Uh, There's kind of crazy how many people uh, that have been guests on Tabletopless who have never played D&D. Because we exclusively select sex workers, uh, cam, porn, et cetera. And we have introduced 
a lot of them to D&D for the first time, but it's been so interesting how many of them are like, yeah, I've always been interested or yeah, I play role play games in these other ways or yeah, I do, you know, costumes. And so all of these shared interests are actually really pronounced in the adult industry. And I found that I have more in common in my academic interests with people that are my porn co-workers than people that I went to school with for scientific things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how was your convention weekend? Were you able to get a lot accomplished? Was it about just kind of networking and putting your name further out there than it already is? What, do you, what did you get done? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, no, we, we had a really, really good time uh, networking, but that was not what we went there for. We've been to Avians before. Um, Streamate had um, graciously invited us to sign at their booth, and we had an amazing time, met really good connections that paid off in the end uh, in various fun ways. So we've always, and we've been to nerd cons, we've been to exoticas, uh, we've represented Real Touch and other ourselves also in um, booths. And uh, it's always been a really good experience to just meet people, um, like-minded people. Uh, but this time, uh, we weren't even sure we we're going to be going. It's the first AVN back since uh, the closure of things. And um, we found out about two or three weeks before AVN was happening that we actually did get nominated. And then a lovely friend of ours uh, helped out with some things um, so we could actually go because it was still last minute. And the goal was to actually look for houses in the Vegas area since we are moving there. And we did none of that. Uh, (laughs) Instead, we just hung out with Jay. We met some people, met you. Basically just had a really good down-to-earth, like, connecting and reconnecting with people that we've known for many years. Uh, I was so happy to run into Sophia Locke. Like we went to her Vegas sex parties a million years ago, back when she still camped. Uh, There's uh, various, uh, for Nikki Huntsman, of course, a sweetheart uh, met us up with our Tabletopless crew a little bit. So it was just a really good, wholesome, and I do think porn is wholesome. (laughs) (laughs) So a really good, wholesome time of just connections. But yeah, we didn't really get much done in terms of our initial goal of going there. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoy, I've known Nikki for a while and I just met Sophia at AVN and she was absolutely amazing. They're they're both fantastic humans. Yep. And gorgeous. Yeah, well, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to you doing conventions, Because you have your hands in so many different areas of it, does it change your approach? Because I would imagine there's part of you that it's like, okay, well, if my representatives for streaming or for camming are there, I should be there, but I also do my own content, so I kind of need to meet people. Like, How do you wrap everything that you do into getting things done at a convention? Well, uh um... Remember that thing I said about being neurodivergent? Uh, So (laughs) my thing is always just like being me. Um, Therefore, and like our adult camming, et cetera, has always been a reflection of who we are first. And then, so it's never for the camera. It's more like this is who we are. And it just happens to be on camera uh, instead of um, the other way around, I guess. And so I've always done um, very like, sexual or like I dressed openly and sexually always Uh, I was never shy about sexual topics and things like that so when we go to not not even adult conventions but like nerd conventions with gaming and stuff like that even there uh, I am representing myself as Anna Cherry I am am always Anna Cherry when I'm in public and um, 
being in camming and also starting to do uh, modeling a year after starting camming, 2008, 2009, respectively, I uh, kind of had this approach to business as a down-to-earth friendship kind of conversation. So there, it is business, but I'm also a real human that you can talk to, that um, we can joke around, we can have a good time. If I'm not having a good time on set, whatever it is, this not the product's not going to be good. So there's a very strong element of always being myself. And, and therefore, I don't really change my approach to different companies or different people uh, all that much at all. Um, We've always been a slow burn sort of uh, perspective because from the very beginning of our relationship, we really, um, okay, we'll, we'll be uh, honest here. We, we did some like spiritual tripping. Okay. In other words, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, it's uh, not a party drug, right? Not as a, a part, but specifically to like find, you know, what is it? What do, what do people say at the end of their life that they regret? Let's not have those regrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we literally had that kind of conversation because, you know, going through neuroscience uh, classes and things like that, you really look at, you know, what's the meaning of, you know, your life? How do you achieve happiness? And so that, mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and I swear I, this is, this is relevant to your question. <laughs> but, uh, the, the, um, the perspective has always been, let's make sure that we are not compromising in any way in which we're accidentally compromising. In other words, there's, there's not reasons, compromising our experience, right? There's reasons to compromise in your life. There's reasons to, uh, to make sacrifices, but oh, yeah. being very, very aware of what you sacrifice and when, and, and the thing that has always been, our relationship has always been first in everything. We will not take money. We will not take fame. We will not take anything that will compromise our relationship and so that is a uh that by itself is you you end up finding there are limitations to to that and it's well worth the cost yeah. uh you know it, it is a, you, and it is a lot it. you lose a lot uh yeah. the cost is high but you know what you gain that is intangible and immaterial in a certain way but you know ever present and uh something that is lacking in so many lives is just beyond worth it yeah i mean the people who are billionaires what they're looking for is love when it comes down to it and they're they're missing it because of all of the other things in their life because there is a there's a level of really just focusing and always deciding to choose you know to choose love choose time together choose you know that sort of thing and and there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice in that and it is so worth it it's it's worth the it's worth billions it really really is so so that's 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 how when we go those places she's going to be herself we're going to be ourselves we're going to make sure that it's an experience that uh, that we're enjoying and we're kind of just you know finding out who people are and and trying to represent who we actually are. yes we do want to meet everybody uh, but we're not going to be compatible with everybody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, common interests, vibes, you know, uh, various uh, conversations, things that help us feel each other out are extremely important because, uh, you know, in our industry, a lot of times you are getting intimate with strangers. And in order to be able to do that uh, effectively and uh, arousingly and have chemistry and just genuinely focus on the experience because that shows through the camera that's always been our approach um we got to find people that are compatible with us on 
a lot of different levels. Uh, and that's what we try to go for. Like we, we do enjoy just having hot, fun, porn sex. Yeah, I mean, but... there's, there's definitely an aspect of just having sex with a stranger. I mean, that's... Yes, <laughs> but even then, like we're those weirdos that are like, oh, hey, you like video games? We like video games. You this like d awesome, We yeah. do too. Yeah. Like we just went to Vegas uh, in, in the summer and we shot with uh, Olive Glass, Xander Corvus, Maya Kendrick, and we were... Uh, and all each one of those people, we actually bonded with on the human level before yeah, we did the porn. So they were strangers. Just but, but incredibly not. cool people. And right, so it's right. like, yeah. And our whole, from the very beginning, I, I do call it reality porn for a reason, because as I uh, mentioned earlier, we show our life on camera instead of the camera dictating our life. And in fact, before we ever did adult anything, uh, we were, we had very high sex drive, both of us, and we had really good, amazing sex. And we're like, we need to maybe capitalize off of this because I'm going <laughs> to college for neuroscience. And, you know, yeah, I got a lot of scholarships, but it's also a really expensive school and I have student loans and, you know, and we need to like make a living. Uh, and so uh, we, but before we jumped into that, we went to Dragon Con actually, <laughs> a fantastic place uh, for those nerds out there who know what we're talking about. And we asked uh, a friend, well, acquaintances, friends of ours um, from like convention friends. We asked them if we could have sex in front of them uh, yeah. because we wanted to find out if that's something. Oh, they we were. Are, we do. already knew they were, you know, part of sort oh, of absolutely. swinger scene, et cetera. And it's like, hey, hey, yeah, you, yeah, want, yeah. you guys want to like, you know. <laughs> and I've been curious about exhibitionism because I always felt like I was one. Oh, no. Um, it's like, right. I was uh, I was surprised how much you were into it. I was like, OK, you really genuinely do like this. OK, I am genuinely an exhibitionist. <laughs> And yeah, it was it was a really good time. Um, and their only uh, comment was, "Well, we wish we would have seen you come." So I'm like, "Okay, I will make sure I am always coming on camera." <laughs> <laughs> Which I did take a year how to learn how to actually orgasm. And uh, there's a whole orgasm gap conversation that that um, can be had at some point. But the the point, original point of mine, is that we did all of it us first our experience first let's find out if this is actually something that works for us and then once we did we started camming and then we went from there and another big part of our lives has been dancing and going as you know and going to clubs uh just to just to dance and to feel our bodies and be connected with ourselves and others uh group therapy is what dancing is and when we did that uh we found ourselves attracted to women uh usually the same one because we do have a very similar type and so we would um you know approach them and like dance with them, kiss them, et cetera. And a lot of them who knew that we did, uh, once they found out that we did adult and camming, they wanted to try it out for themselves. So, <laughs> so yeah, so a lot of girls dip their toes in for a moment to just, you know, have that experience. Yep. <laughs> so that's how kind of we built up our whole uh brand or what we do it just it, it was natural is what we wanted to do and then a lot of the people were interested in doing it on camera with us so we had a lot of new cam girls that you know they had a little summer fling with us on cam uh where we uh, streamed together had a lot of fun threesomes and uh then we decided to move back out to the west coast to northern california and to pursue the adult career uh, in earnest in terms of actually making movies, uh, doing adult production. I, that's when I told my parents, uh, that's what I've 
do and have been doing, uh, as you can read in my Cosmopolitan article. We're probably running over all of his questions. I mean, what was the original? (laughs) (laughs) We are always ourselves because that's kind of been our thing from the very beginning. And sometimes we get very talkative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, we're going to get to that in a little bit as well. But you're not wrong. You are actually kind of going through my questions as you're answering. I know, we're just totally stepping all over. No, that's, that's perfect because... The one thing that I was going to ask that you answered was being connected and always being at the same level when it comes to what you expect from the industry. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners that when they hear that, they go, how is it possible that you have two people growing in the same direction at the same time? That is so rare, but you've managed to find it. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been um you know, there's always this thing of like, kind of hold on loosely. In other words, when you decide, you know, what's important to you, then, uh, then, and you just have a sort of a direction, then so long as you're patient, I I suppose, then that's, that's kind of how that occurs. And we were, you know, we've always been, uh, it's like, hey, if, uh, if this doesn't work the the way that we want, then it isn't meant to be, we're not going to sacrifice that, which is critically important to us to achieve it, it's either going to happen or it's not. And we're going to accept that as, you know, there are prices that you pay in life. There are prices. And so you, so long as you know what you're, what you're spending in your, in your, your happiness, in your well, in internal well-being, in your relationships, in the, you know, in your level of trust, so long as you know what you're spending there. Cause I think a lot of times people are spending those, those things that are way more valuable than money. Yes. And uh, and they're not aware that they're spending it or how much of it that they're spending. And that's been that's so that's how we, this we've accomplished what we have is through patience. And, you know, uh, that's there's also an extremely strong foundation uh, that everything goes back to, which is we unapologetically unabashedly choose each other over everything else we have we do know what we want and it is each other. It is like that Roman myth of one body being split into two and finding your other half and you you genuinely feel whole with this person and so then what else do you need literally nothing and i've told him from the very beginning what we need is to be is to figure out how that we can continue to be together in a comfortable manner that's that's what we need and that's how we continue growing together in the same direction because we chose each other and we continue to choose each other. We it's 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 a commitment beyond a lifetime. And you'd be surprised how much the whole world is always sort of, you know, people want to take you away from other people in a certain way. It's not it's not malicious. It's just sort of a. But there's thing. a lot of separation, and and, uh, and that ends Normalized up leading to everybody separation. being you know kind of separate instead of. You know, any anyone winning that battle, it's kind of like, a, I don't know, sort of a losing battle uh, where people are trying to take it. And one of the things that we've been finding that's started to happen, I suppose, in the past few years is people starting to celebrate couples again. Because there was a, a in my opinion, there was a really long period of time where, where couples were not just separated, but kind of. Oh, I felt it. Yeah, <laughs> I felt it for yeah. like 10 years. Right. I was punished for being in love and having a partner and especially in the camming sphere that was with the rise of like the girlfriend experience and certain white lies that you're told by performers. Uh, A lot of viewers had certain expectations and they punished me for not folding into their expectations. Yeah. So, so there was a, um, well, you know, you go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep talking here. Oh, that's fine. That's you. You make an easy edit for the show. 
Awesome, awesome. <laughs> now, you almost touched on one of the questions that I have. Uh, what are the positives and challenges of being camp performers and content creators as a couple? I would think that a possible challenge would be finding collaborators that kind of fit your dynamic. But what other things are there, both positive and challenge? Hmm. Yeah, dynamic wise, um, things are really easy when it's, uh, you know, performers uh, that are in the industry, they understand the grind of, you know, you got to be professional and you got to do your work and you got to open for the camera. But also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when we found that the audience sees a genuine connection uh, and they prefer that over something that looks a certain way. They would rather that something looks perfect or something looks pretty. A lot of times people want to see the real, raw, genuine connection between humans and finding professionals that can understand how to do the camera thing, but also maintain that personal chemistry. Uh, that's actually been fairly easy with some individuals like, you know, Nikki, Maya, I, I think one of the things is, is we'll always be sort of pro-am. In other words, there's a mm-hmm. there's a feel to amateur uh, that is uh, where people are still they're not as focused on uh, you know making a an artificial performance that meets some perfectionist standards as much as they are about enjoying themselves. And we we are uh, so so focused on the uh, personal enjoyment aspect of it and sharing that because I, I've always had this you know one of the things that I used to love doing is I mean I had a short stint of being a, in a little you know high school band and then later on just really enjoyed uh, doing karaoke and uh, and one of the things that you that you figure out as a performer is that you know what makes a good concert versus a bad concert and what it is is there is when a when a performer can really feel the energy it spreads to you you can't put that on you can't fake it there is a level of empathy that the crowd picks up on and that's what they're there for is they want for you to hold a certain frame of mind and for them to be able to sync with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, that's one of the things that we focused on is, is doing that. So when it comes to difficulties, uh, you know, one of the funny difficulties is people, when they see how in love we are, when they see how close that. that we are, sometimes that throws them off where they feel like there's going to be some sort of jealousy or, or something. They're they intruding or, yeah. Right. They can't believe that we really are genuinely, not jealous. And so that's like, uh, I guess it was one of those things of just people have a hard time believing that there's going to be a lack of jealousy, that we really uh, are rooting for each other. And, uh, and I'm not sure why I think it's just sort of like instinctual that you're good that you feel like, oh, there's this close connection. I don't want to interrupt there. I don't want to. But the thing is, we are so well, that's the point. We're right. so connected emotionally, mentally and otherwise that the body is a, a secondary thing. And I'd like to introduce your audience to a new word, perhaps called compersion. It is feeling joy when you see a loved one or another human feel joy. Yeah. In other words, where you experience it, where yes. it just reflects inside you. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing is that we're both, you know, really rooting for the other to have a, the a, best, the life. best possible All experience. The sweeties. We're always <laughs> wanting to like amplify the other's experience of life. Of enjoying And the thing is, that's, that's kind of that uh, where you can be both selfish and selfless at the same time, because it's if you can really, really enjoy 
what another person is doing, then you get to, you know, then you're, you're doing yourself a favor too, you know, by them having fun, it's making you have fun. And so there's, you know, there's both at the same time, I guess uh, there's like a rational self-interest as well <laughs> in terms of people sometimes. use. Uh, yeah. And having people that are in the industry who can provide a good um, sexual experience for the camera, those are a little bit harder to find who also fall into like a more, amateur like authentic experience but we've been really really lucky i guess because of the way we select yeah yeah, exactly somehow it's it's just i guess because we we present ourselves so straightforward in a certain way people kind of know what they're getting into it's a really great filter so yeah there's there's there's, there's kind of an automatic filter there and so that it ends up being that the people who continue forward with us because they they understand what we're about uh, and th- there's not really any surprise there the, I guess it makes it where it's an automatic filter and then and so we end up meeting people who uh, work well with us mm-hmm. it's, it's, it works out for us being in a state of compersion and always looking for these creative outlets in the different facets of your life be it you know mental or sexual is that what it has kept your relationship? fresh for so long because i would imagine some of the listeners go okay you have sex in your personal life you have sex on camera how does it not just become this rote boring you know kind of hackneyed routine yeah well um he's actually my guru in this uh even though i have the neuropsychology degree but um uh, he is uh, my senpai. He teaches me all the things. Uh, but what I mean by that is uh, specifically is that uh, there is an element that all humans need to uh, experience in order to continue staying happy, mentally young, alive, and have the best sort of life they can, which is renewing appreciation, renewing your joy of life. And that's where spiritual psychedelics are extremely helpful, uh, as well as I married a shaman, you know, he, there's so many herbal and mental tools to renew yourself. And that's something that, you know, we frequently have marriage counseling essentially between ourselves. Yeah. So we, we, of course, this, you know, the one thing that people always tell you is communication and, you know, and that, that radical honesty with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's being able to, to achieve Empathetic that, radical honesty. Uh, it does, it does uh, require a variety of things. It requires a level of courage that, uh, you know, to, to confront, to confront yourself and to, and to confront your partner, you have to be willing to fight for love. Uh, and you have to not see love in some sort of idealistic, uh, you know, that it's all going to work out perfectly. Everything that is valuable requires a tremendous amount of work. Yeah, and, uh, and so we, have, uh, you know, from the very beginning have been very realistic about, you know, what a human is, what, he, you know, we have human beings have uh, these instincts from, you know, being out on the plains or, you know, being, there's these animal instincts that just are, are confused by modern society. We still have those, you know, deeply embedded in us. And, and so, so all of us have sort of this primitive side side that's confused and, uh, and scared and, you know, and going through a lot of things that everyone has to be able to deal with. And if you aren't developing some sort of tool set for that and you're just sort of letting things go without you know consciously working on that and trying to figure out a way to make it work uh then then yeah you're kind of at the at the mercy of all the the various you know everything from advertisement to you know cultural norms and you know one of the things i like to you know joke about is i i I did some something that was 
sort of academic uh it wasn't even all that academic actually but and then just somebody was like oh yeah we're, uh, you're wearing those ear cuffs like i'm gonna uh take you seriously it's like oh yeah and of course if somebody isn't wearing a powdered wig how could they actually you know adjudicate uh, you know any any good law or you know it's like uh, you're right authority really has to do with what you're wearing right. you know it's, it's like uh, there's uh there's just these absurdities that people don't realize that they're, they're you know the it feels so automatic to them and they don't question it and uh and yeah so there's other uh, it's you know uh of course we you know don't ever do anything illegal uh you know, but but whenever you're talking about the the spiritual side of uh very thoughtful and um you know well-rounded use of psychedelics it, it is uh, i think a very important part of spirituality that is not religious but simply a caring for your larger being and so that's that's something that has been a a guide to us and then just taking a very you know the the education that she was able to uh achieve and that we continued you know kind of sort of together on that journey as she was going through um her degree and and afterwards like there's uh you know evolutionary psychology for instance i think is something that has helped us in our relationship Mm -hmm. in uh you know being realistic about the animal inside mm-hmm. and kind of the, you know, people, the people can choose if you, there's a lot of institutionalized religions where basically what they do is they tell you to take that part of yourself that is, you know, some semi animal like or bestial or whatever, and beat it down and put it in and a cage deny and, and deny it. And those same people always have that thing rebel against them and how, and embarrass them and do things that they never wanted to do. And so there's, there's actually this, uh, there's uh, something called the uh, Dionysian mysteries. There, there were, there were these practices of basically sort of making an agreement with your internal, um, more animalistic self, and and that that other higher self that has these specific lofty goals, and you know that is more of a, um, I don't know, it's kind of more computer like. Here we are at this age of where we you know we're questioning what exactly is a conscious being now with Chat GPT and all that going on, you know, uh, and so there is a. Um, it is interesting that we've that's that's a, a an interesting a very interesting topic for us something that we've uh, you know spent a lot of time thinking about and so yeah what so, is sort of seeing <laughs> sort of seeing these two parts of yourself and being able to make that agreement in a in a way and is, to try to guide your animal and and guide your body uh, it has needs it, it and so finding outlets for that and then uh, reconfiguring, uh, understanding your desires, and then if they are uh, conflicting with your long-term human person goals, then finding ways to use cognitive behavioral therapy and just you know change your understanding of it. Try to couple the result with the process. There's various ways in which long-term thinking and shifting your perspective from this instantaneous feeling to a more longer term guided um, sort of programming yourself to be who you want to be is, is been kind of my religion. So. And, and I think what, what people run into is they end up having a hate for their internal animalistic self because of all the things that, you know, whether they're, you know, all the up, dark they, oh, all they, whether it be that you're eating things that you don't want to eat or, you know, you end up having this resentment, but that is also the, our animal selves are where, love comes from our animal joy selves are where joy all that all that, that everything <laughs> that is valuable about a human that it, that doesn't make us a machine because yeah you know a machine can like thoughtlessly just grind up human beings there's this depth of meaninglessness in those things that a lot of times we type we sort of think of as higher thought mm. you know that it's not necessarily 
higher. There's not that same sort of hierarchy that uh, between the animal and the, you know, some people call it the animal and the angel, or, you know, there, there's these, these two parts of us and th- those instincts are the basis of, you know, the morality part of us that has to do with how we treat other people and what, what, you know, why we care about, you know, anything, why, you know, why, where's the impetus for anything at all. And that is right in there with that same creature that fucks up that, you know, leads us down the wrong path. So frequently is confused and scared. It's all part of the same bundle and you kind of have to, you have to love it, you know, right alongside all, with all of its, failures and shortcomings and and uh, and that's that sort of perspective has made it where there's a type of patience that uh that kind of yeah that kind of comes for yourself and for the other people around you that um that gets rid of that perfectionist ideal i suppose and all of those things have sort of been the underpinning of our relationship and how we're able to continually renew our appreciation for each other and uh, and constantly go through you know almost a ritualistic you know reappreciating talking about how can i how can i appreciate you more how can i you know stave off that boredom with that which is most valuable because that's what happens is anything one of our primate instincts is that which is common is not valuable you know in other words when animals are out there in the wild you know they don't need to make sure to conserve those things which are very common they need to only be searching out and conserving those things which are rare and like for instance sugar was rare for you know animals in the wild and so that would be something that they would really seek out and value very highly but those things that air that are literally critical for your life you are not even acknowledged as existing there's mm-hmm. and so the same thing is true of your relationships and the, the things that are most valuable in life you're going to automatically devalue and those things which a lot of times are very toxic and damaging to you like people who don't give you love people who don't um withhold yeah they're, they they're constantly withholding you know uh their approval their, their approval their appreciation it. those people a lot of times we are what pull you, they'll pull you in and being aware that that is a basic human problem that absolutely everyone has. And that we all have to constantly be looking at that and examining it and saying, am I doing that right now? Am I doing that? I got to stop doing both of those things. I got to stop valuing that, which is valueless and make sure to value that, which really truly has value. And the biggest way we're able to do all of this is taking time away from everything and spending time together. Yep. Just and and that is something that is very difficult to achieve because everyone doesn't really have time uh, these days. And so we have not made as much money in various ways because we choose to spend time together instead uh, to maintain what is most valuable. Yep. Uh, going on nature walks, talking, just spending time in silence in terms of like external uh, inputs, um, time with just each other, um, re, you know, reconnecting and and synchronizing. Yep. So that's how 16 years, you know, we've been together 16 years. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm, don't worry. Dick will be coming back. Mm, he's recovered and ready to go again. Welcome back to the Pervert Nation. Here he is, Dick Dangle. Creative people in any field of work have that aha moment. And I think yours was the aforementioned table topless, which is beyond brilliant. 
Can you please tell, you've kind of alluded to it, but please tell the listeners about it. And when it comes to the games themselves, do they get so enthralling that it becomes more intense than expected and you kind of get away from its core mission? <laughs> do you want to start? Yeah. Uh, so Tabletopless has been uh, my passion project uh, that I launched in 2019. I had a friend at the time, at the time who was doing a little bit of DMing on her and like doing role play, pay by post kind of stuff. So um, I knew her and I knew we were both interested in D&D. And then I saw uh, there was a very short lived website that had adult gaming. Now ePlay uh, essentially takes the niche of that. Uh, but there was a site called Plexstorm for a little bit that had it was basically adult Twitch, um, first of its kind, where uh, you could play hentai games, you could do sexual things while streaming games exclusively. Uh, they eventually allowed IRL type of stuff. But at first it was you have to have a game on your screen. Like you have to literally be a gamer. And also you can do adult uh not not required or anything but you can and so i saw a DD game on there that they were not doing it uh sexually but it was just i guess a platform for them and i reached out to that dm and i was like hey do you want to like do the same but with sex workers and he was like oh i don't have time in my in my game right now but then a couple of months later he reached out back to me and he's like wait what am i thinking yes of course i want to do this well you, well, you forgot <laughs> you forgot to mention that we first started with descent we did. Uh, so in the meantime, because we got to know, um, we had a long time, a uh, long time fan of ours who is still a very good supporter and friend. And uh, one of the uh, people we knew through, um, you know, just having a cosplay collective where I dabbled in producing um, content and cosplay and then also having other people produce it and kind of aggregating it on one website. And so we had, you know, friends like that. And we had a stream where we played a tabletop game called Descent. And during that game, uh, the the other performer, uh, they had their large voluptuous breasts out a lot. And the way we like, because that was like point of the game, we're going to be playing the tabletop game, but we're also going to be providing our audience some sexy stuff because that's the point of this website. And uh, the way it was positioned was that she was right on top of our table and we coined tabletopless because <laughs> we had a table, but it was also, she, she wasn't at our table. It was like a virtual table. So it was yeah. like a little double up. Right. So she didn't have a, she didn't have a table. She was uh, tabletopless and right. she was topless. Right. And, right. And, then, and he didn't have a table. We were the only ones with the table. So yeah. Was like... <laughs> and we had a camera on like the minis and everything. And so from there, then the, the DM got back to me and we decided to do it and to try a thing. And uh, I asked him what he always wanted to do. And there was some module he liked. So we did a trial run. Uh, and then, you know, it was a little bit rocky towards the end of the first year, but we we're able to transition uh, incredibly into Tabletopless 2.0 in the summer of 2020, uh, where we got our current uh, GM and uh, author. He has been published uh, as an actual game developer, um, like tabletop games. He is a book publisher. So kind of a big deal. Uh, and then we gathered a really good crew uh, and are expanding it now. But uh, the aha moment, I guess, was when it was first working out really well, but then we leveled it up. We moved it to another platform, uh, ePlay, and we did many bits for a little bit. And people were there for it. And we continued doing very hardcore sex breaks uh, while trying to like actually tell a story. And people loved it. 
and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And it, it was just basically part of our, our our habit of trying to make that which we enjoy be part of uh, how we make money. Because the you know the the truth of the matter is like before this point, you know, she was sixth in the state at uh, you know D and D minis. Uh, you know, we had we war band building, right? We yeah. uh, we we played Neverwinter Nights, and we played you know. So we were already you know very much into we, we were playing Descent all the time. Descent is this uh, kind of a uh, a chopped down version version of D&D where you have all of your miniatures and you have, um, you know, a, a, a more set path that you uh, follow down and uh, which can be a, a, a lot of fun because it's a, uh, you know, it's a little, a little more simplified, but so we, you know, we already had all that uh, kind of in play as, as something that we really enjoyed. So it was, it was just natural to transition to that. But now you were, you were talking about the, um, how we have, uh, you know, a, an experience where, where we just kind of like, lose sight of what's going on in our games that we play online the um the experience is very much like what you're you know in your living room with your friends D experience is like and that's the uh that is something we we decided to maintain because of course there is uh you know another group out there that's very well known for playing D D online mm-hmm. and <laughs> and uh and so they they have uh because they have the the advantage of there being voice actors and things like that and a, and a lot of you know, a very high production value. Once again, we found ourselves saying, you know what, let's stay in that more pro-am area instead. They're kind of, you know, the pro, let's make this more like what you're going to experience yourself. And so we, we kind of embrace the, uh, yeah, we get into the game itself and we, you know, there's a, uh, and we try to do good role play. Everybody's dressed in costume. But the, but what ends up happening, of course, is just shenanigans. Like we we really, especially okay. So we've got there our two main campaigns are Aerotech and Vampire the Masquerade. And Aerotech is a that's Coffee. just the yeah D and D and Vampire the Masquerade. Right, right. D and D and Vampire the Masquerade. And so in that in our D and D world, we kind of embrace the silliness. Uh, and and so we have just tons of you know places where. We just have these digressions. So many derailed conversations. There's a uh, there's a point at which we were showing a uh, a guy fucking a T Rex because that's how that ended up in the conversation. All right, there's... that was also part of the game. But other times... oh wait, there was also a, a dragon fucking a car. That was you know so so there's you know you end up having these silly digressions and things because D and D is uh, you know some people play it hardcore for the game itself and and there's times that we do that also. But so much of it is about having some some stuff to bullshit about with your friends and just have a good time. And that's and that's really the D&D experience. Yeah, there's the role playing, but that's not 100 percent of the game. 100 percent of the game is, you know, sometimes some nights you have just hours of just screwing around your with your friends and getting nothing accomplished and pissing off the DM because he did all this this work to prepare for this this thing and it's and, and there's kind of this shared muhaha of the players you know not getting anything done and you know that that's that is the D experience so we do that we try a little bit more to be you know the cool vampires in uh, in our vampire the masquerade there's much less breaks there yeah. right and we try to be a little more you know yeah it's like yeah we're these we're evil cool role, vampires and we do the role play and we're giving you an immersive story right uh but with D D, sometimes there's definitely digressions like hey noodle show us your hermit crabs yeah. <laughs> you know, like real humans but that's the appeal though they are real actual porn stars and sex workers who are playing actual D, 
because they love it. They're there for the fun of it. They're wanting to enjoy the game. Like I said, we introduced a lot of people to it for the first time and they all had a really great time and they keep coming back because it's like the fun of it being real and just allowing people to be themselves and to sometimes digress and a uh, chat w- is on DM side. They, they will <laughs> yeah, like they uh, waving a cat toy towards back towards the game. <laughs> that, <laughs> trying to help our GM Trying out. to help yeah, get the team refocused. <laughs> we, are, we are very ADD in our... Uh... Sometimes more than others. <laughs> I mean, okay, we're also, we're, we're fucking, we're like doing this, you know. There was, and people are distraction for chaos. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. There, are, there are tips. As a matter of fact, that's part of, we've integrated into the game where basically our viewers are these chaos gods that are injecting you know, events into the game and uh, through their tips. We're, we're and... not doing the good and evil thing so much in, in our Yeah, no, thing. it's ca- uh, chaos and order. Chaos and order. Order is, you know, suppressive, oppressive order, and then the fertile uh, life-like chaos. And sometimes it becomes a little too chaotic, but we <laughs> lean into that with our audience being the chaos gods and influencing the game with their tips. And that's been really a very good mix of it, um, where it's not just a fantasy role play, but it's actual people playing actual games, but also putting on a role play show, but then also having sex. <laughs> so it's a really good, unique time. So hopefully that answers your your actual question. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely does. Now, uh, you did a podcast for a while called the Cherry Stem Podcast. Uh, with all of the free time you have, I say that yes. facetiously, uh, what made you decide to try a podcast? Uh, well, um, it actually came from my participation in uh, as a as a guest host and co-host of Honey Badger Radio. So I did some of that stuff there and they wanted to maybe do a little bit more science-y kind of thing, like lean into maybe more of the degree of mine and like, because people are always interested uh, in the why behind things. And so when you're talking about, you know, um, human relations, uh, social norms, gender norms, gender relations, any of that sort of stuff. Uh, The psychology of it, evolutionary psychology of it is very, very important. And um, so we started uh, through that a little bit. And then we realized that our audience or our um, lean is a little bit more... um, so it wasn't exactly compatible with their audience at the time. We were the token libs, okay? That was that's <laughs> what I'm gently, that is what I'm gently trying to say. Yes, <laughs> say without saying it. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we. I so, was a, so our attitudes were not. Uh, I was the token communist. Right. <laughs> well, I was actually a token sex worker. The lib and the communist part was not uh, necessarily as welcome. So. <laughs> Um, and my thing is I always flow into where I am most welcome and, uh, and, you know, and we kind of decided to try to do it on our own. Uh, and, uh, therefore we could really dig into the science too, because, uh, the focus of the HBR show was a little bit more on social commentary, but we wanted to do a lot more of actual science. So since I already had that precedent, uh, for myself, we took it to my YouTube channel. And and here's the thing I've, okay. So, so you, For the past 20 years, I've been a researcher in um, basically alternative interpretation of science. I'm, I'm, you know, like you've probably heard of like that there's these different interpretations of quantum mechanics, like one's called many worlds. The other was called the Copenhagen interpretation. You might have heard that here or there if you like like watching the science channel. Well, I've my passion has been 
bringing to uh, the forefront this lost alternative interpretation of the theory that is before that, which is relativity. And so that's that, that's how, uh, you know, we end up uh, talking about a lot of the science things is because as sort of a, a historian of theoretical physics, I, I have this interest and in, it's like, hey, there's this alternative interpretation of this where and, and interp- alternative interpretations are basically where you don't alter the mathematics, you alter the, you know, what does it mean? What does it refer to? So it's like, for instance, you know, when a, when a kid, you, as a kid, you had uh, these um, word problems you were given. Right. And if you, if you ever met one of those pedantic kids who like was good at math, sometimes what they, what they do is they'd go and they'd solve the problem and they'd set up the math problem and everything on the paper. And then they go, and then the teacher would tell them they're wrong. And then, and then that kid would go, no, you're wrong because here it's math. You can't argue with math. This, and the, and there I've seen these conversations happen where the teacher's like, no, 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 you just, you picked the wrong math. You did the math, right. And I mean, you know, I had this happen to me as a kid too. Uh, it's like, you did the math, right. But you did the problem wrong. And that's what the difference between interpretation and mathematics is like mathematics is what you do once you've decided what your interpretation is. But what if you interpreted the word problem wrong? What if you didn't understand what math you were supposed to do? You could do the math perfectly and it'd be perfectly wrong. And so that's what that's what interpretation is about. And so there's this that's kind of been my passion because. You know, when it comes when you're trying to find some something that gives you meaning in your life, uh, you know, you you sort of pick a cause, pick something. And for me, I, you know, for the longest time, I looked at how, you know, everything's connected, everything from slavery to, you know, uh, starvation to every human problem ends up being somehow related to energy availability and down through time. You know, everything from doing farming to transportation, you name it, everything about power, everything about poverty, everything about inequality, everything about all the horrible things that happen to uh, mankind is usually in some way or another related to scarcity. And that scarcity is, is tied specifically to energy. So, resources, yeah. so for me, trying to make sure that we are really honestly looking at any possibility uh, you know, that might lead to greater availability of energy is really digging at the most, the deepest root of all of, you know, human suffering. Yeah, basically. Right. And so that's, that's why it's been a passion of mine. That's, and, and that's how a lot of that ended up being part of what we ended up talking about on the uh, Cherry Stem show. I did listen to a couple of episodes. I really enjoyed the one on uh, love versus fear. I actually thought that was a really good episode. But you cover everything from vitamins, drugs, and UFOs to psychology, quantum physics, and social issues. What is a topic that one of you knows a lot about and the other does not, and it annoys the non-knower? The noise uh, may not be the right word, but I am frequently frustrated by my lack of understanding specifically of light. Because as a photographer type of hopeful uh, person who's in front of the camera and have to set up my own lights, like I have to move the light five times to do trial and error. I'm like, where is the light? Where is the shadow? What is happening here? And it's so counterintuitive to me. Like I just don't emotionally or mentally instantly get it and it frustrates the living heck out of me (laughs) because it's so important to like everything and I want to try to do more photography and other stuff because I see the professionals that work with me and how incredibly they light us and all that stuff so 
it really frustrates me, but he's like, he understands physics on like a supernatural level. Well, he understands everything on a supernatural level. And it's, it's an interesting thing when you have someone who specializes in understanding. So then he can read a document. He can look at something and he can be like, this is what it means. And like to have a Cliff's Notes person or like a teacher essentially who can literally like, there's a reason why we have teachers in school and not just textbooks. There has to be someone who explains to you all of this material that again condenses it into ways that you can understand or helps you uh, find a path through it and how everything connects this, how everything connects is so crucial to understanding. And he specializes in that. And so I think because of that, that I've been extremely lucky, but also it's been very frustrating to not understand it myself. Uh, but for him, for it to come so easily to him, though, there are costs that he paid for. <laughs> I, I guess one of the, uh, the, the costs, cognitive holes I'm mm. constantly aware of that is like I have this when it comes to any dealing with anything that is too chaotic like for instance like I can never find anything in the house uh and and there's these two I'm not, I'm not the best housekeeper let's but, just say that but but even like something I'm a great be, cook but something will be literally right in front of me and I can't see it yeah. in other words like if there is like a like a for instance a junk drawer or something is a is like a horror hellscape to me. I can't, I, you know, I, I, it, 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 like inside a woman's purse, right? inside of women's purse. That is, that is just a portal to a, to a, another dimension. That is, it, that is, yeah, it, it, no man can, can, uh, can stand it, <laughs> can withstand that power. But I, I, the other thing is like, uh, I, I end up using her as, a memory bank for names of people and their relationships and things like that. Because I just, that information, by the time I release someone's hand, I have forgotten their name and it is embarrassing. It's a problem that where it's just, uh, you know, I just can't remember the labels for things. I remember how things work with each other how perfectly forever, other. Uh, but I can never remember a label for something. And so it just, I'm just constantly relying on her for, for the name of everything. Just the name is not enough though, because he will ask me a name and I give him and there's a blank stare. So essentially <laughs> we have to come up with nicknames, uh, <laughs> not right. nickname per se, but like, a uh this is who that person is a, to us a this unique is, qualifier right a, right in other words the, a the, meaningful qualifier right what is it that this person does how do they relate to reality is the only way that it's like because you can say their name and she'll she'll like tell me somebody i'm like yeah who's that and, like, and why do you ask me the name if you're not gonna remember but it's like well okay so, we, we found a system and so yeah so she, she has to communicate with me based upon these you know like um I don't know, just the, the, the unique labels. Yes, unique labels that are that are a language that she has to use because I'm so bad with names. So yeah, there's just you know we each have our our own little deficits. Or it's like, and this is one of the things we always thought about. It's like, look, you know, we have to focus on the fact that your strengths come from your deficits. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, everybody has their balances. That's what's great about D and D's. You learn that you're rolling up your character. You have to lose points in this to gain points in that. And you so have to specialize, right? And so there's a level of specialization that is that has a value, and you have to accept it. And okay, so you don't have to. I'm not gatekeeping anyone's D and D experience. You can be, you can be a jack of all trades. You can be. Be, you know, but, but, but you have to when you decide you want to be really good at something, you have to also know that that's going to make you pretty bad at some yeah. things, too. If you want to be really good at your role that you really vibe with, then yeah, you got to take costs. Yeah. And I think that's one of our, our, our strengths is we accept the costs as part of 
the prize and and really you know gotta love the process to love the results yep and that's one of the things i say often is like if you want to be able to ride a sled down you better love pulling sleds up hills he says that because that's an expression that my grandpa taught me back in soviet russia oh, cool. <laughs> uh, in russian it's uh kataza, lyubi sanochki vazit. so there you go for those russian speakers out there, there. You go. <laughs> Now, this is kind of a bit of a two-parter. When it comes to the podcast, you did one. uh, It was Scientific American Says Vegetables Are Toxic. And your rant was magnificent. But that leads me to this question. Now, Anna, you've written articles for Why Not, but you also had an article done in Cosmopolitan Magazine. And it was called Mm -hmm. I Have a Degree in Neuroscience and I Do Porn. When the two of you have a chance to do an article or interview, especially if it's for more of a mainstream outlet, how do you approach these opportunities? Because I'm sure you have to be somewhat wary of what their motivations are to have you on. Well, uh, so far, in a certain way, um, I've been kind of lucky in terms of um, I call myself a Internet's best kept secret. We've been doing this uh, for 12 years and people are like, are you new? You must be new. I've never heard of you before. You're so cool. You, I would have heard of you if, if you've been around. I was like, no, part of it is kind of staying under the radar. And, and because of that, the opportunities aren't super um, there's not that many opportunities, but when they do come, a lot of them are very quality. Like I did an interview on Flotsam Scholars. That was really good. The Cosmopolitan was when we just moved to uh, California uh, again to do the adult thing in 2015. And I trusted them for some reason. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but we did also have an experience that I essentially what I wanted to touch on is um, doing interviews. Pre-interviews is important. And I'm starting to learn that a little bit with like getting guests for tabletopless and stuff like that, like feeling out a person before throwing them in the deep end. But then also uh, we did have an experience with a potential MTV thing. And it was like, do you know people who do adult and also have other things? And then once we started interviewing. Yeah. Yeah. And so we picked up on that quick that they wanted to, they wanted to hurt us. And uh, it's like, okay. Uh, And that's the thing about being in neuropsychology. And then he's actually, uh, being a little bit on a neurodivergent, I'm not really great at reading people, or at least I, I wasn't very good at it. And so, but he spent a lot of time in sales uh, forcibly. Uh, he, in fact, <laughs> I was forced into yeah, sales. Yes. Yeah, he sold meat door to door, for instance. I mean, like a level <laughs> of a level of charisma training that he's had is like off the charts. And so, being able, and also he's very like wise and patient person. That is like you, you know you have to give people a chance. You have to really listen to them. You have to make sure you're not just hearing your own emotions and that you're actually understanding a theory of mind of that person. And so he's taught me in a lot of ways to overcome certain uh, neurodivergent shortcomings. And so I'm starting to be a little bit better at seeing uh, people's intentions, but also being in neuropsychology that and being in camming for 10 years, you really start to quickly pick up on a person's intent to the point where it's like, like this for me now, like uh, when it's a member or a client or somebody the kind of questions they ask the non sequiturs that they have the, you can see a pattern, pattern of their mind where <laughs> how does uh, this one question they ask then they're asking another question and those two are connected in their person's in that person's mind and so to see the trajectory of who they are through what they ask and how they ask it has been uh, i guess something i've trained on the neuroscience training yeah it's really really helped a tremendous amount i mean also there's this phenomena okay a lot of times you know, people, uh, when they have 
narcissistic parents, they end up being narcissistic or they end up becoming an inverted narcissist, which ends up making it where that they are, they can become very empathic. In other words, this, there's this funny thing where, where people who've had extreme, extremely narcissistic parents, they end up, uh, you know, they force you to be super good at reading their mind because you have to meet their expectations yeah. And without them ever, you know, communicating them properly. With just so, a twitch of an eyebrow. You know, right, right. So I, so that was, a, you know, there was a sort of a, a, a training that happened for me there as well. As a, as Yeah, he keeps <laughs> patterns of people's minds. He doesn't remember their names, but, you know, he, he understands their minds and their, you know, wants and desires and fears. And, you know, he can really see that. And, and I've had uh, the privilege of being able to learn from that. And it's also really been honed by camming and uh, feeling people out in that way. So, yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've had brushes with danger uh, when it comes to people who, who uh, their, their intention is, is deception. Their intention is, but the, but the thing is when you're constantly sort of, you know, truth is practically a religion for us. Uh, you know, yeah. Okay. I understand. You can't tell the Nazis why, why yes, she's back there hiding, you know, yeah, when they're and at Frank your door. Is in my cellar. Yeah, and Frank is- <laughs> My seller, right. I have to tell the truth. You know, right. that, you know that there is a level of understanding that there, you know you can't always be a hundred percent honest. But but the but still having truth as a kind of a we, basic we religion. We do not suffer white lies. Like, yeah, we do not even yeah. that. Like makes it where you're a little bit better at picking out how much people are deceiving not just others but deceiving themselves and uh and so and being aware of that and then also as i said before there's a there's a level of just understanding humans are all just bumping into each other and screwing up and having sort of a patience for that makes it i don't know makes it easier mm-hmm. uh, it makes it easier to know when it's like okay this person it's not so personal yeah yeah in other words they have this view of the world and this view of the world that you know is is hurting them too because a lot of times as mainstream mm-hmm. sources they're just buying into this perfectionist ideal that that is is it's hateful uh and and it's part of the culture that they're raised in and it makes them frustrated and angry and upset and at yep. themselves and it, it just causes them a tremendous amount of pain so yeah sometimes those people are dangerous and that was a brush with somebody who wanted to who wanted to try to use us for a reality show in a way that was in, in, entirely for the purpose of exploiting us uh and so yeah they you know you kind of have to be able to forgive that they don't they don't know what they're doing. You know, they don't really understand it because it's hurting them too. And a lot of it is externalized shame. And uh, my big thing for doing adult uh, the way I do. And uh, when we do stream aid camming, I am on camera, but he's been there with me from the very beginning camming, of course. But what I mean by that is right there in the room with me uh, behind the camera. And that is, uh, I did MFC for a couple of years and then we switched to StreamAid and we're actually thankfully able to be on camera together and on ePlay, of course, too. But sometimes, you know, people just want to see me. And so he politely stays off camera until it's time to go for the boy girl shows, et cetera. But we talk to each other. Uh, people know that he's there. People converse with both of us. We always are interested in forging a community of like-minded people who are there for us. We want a compersion community as well, because we want our love to be celebrated. We want to be seen as together, but also to be objectified and enjoyed as a, as a sexual being. Uh, and we want to find people who can handle both. And so people will come into our stream eight stream and be like, oh, I came here for the titties and I'm staying for the conversation. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I, I think there 
there is a projection of who we are that mm-hmm. tends to protect us uh, in a certain way as well. Yes. And and my big thing with all of that is uh, being really, really honest about everything. I even had a comment uh, on Streamate uh, on the profile. Ask her questions. She has answers. Because I honestly answer things to people because I want to break down everything that's unacknowledged. Uh, I especially want to break down the shame that is around sexuality. Uh, Sex is extremely wholesome. It's extremely good. It's literally the propagation of our species. And people really want to separate like family, children and sex. And I understand for obvious reasons you have to. But at the same time, there's a really unhealthy moralizing separation that is like sex is the most wholesome thing. And and ends up leading to those children having very bad experiences, very dangerous experiences and yeah there's it's just a whole lot of problems that we need to uh, address with nuance uh and, and so and whenever and shame is at the fear and shame mm-hmm. make it where nuance just is thrown away exactly exactly so yeah. yeah so that's my big thing with that well i can't believe being critical thinkers like you are that you have completely misread me because i am about to ruin this interview Oh, okay. Because what I enjoy doing is combing through my guests' social media. And, oh, hell yeah. And asking them questions about posts that they have made. Are you willing okay. to answer some questions, both of you, on posts that you have made? I stand by maybe probably most everything I've said. <laughs> I'm not sure about deleting tweets. So it's not a museum. I will remove things, but uh, yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah, sure. And like, well, <laughs> so much of what I do online uh, in my uh, like porn persona is, is just screwing around purposefully. <laughs> I'm just like not serious at all. But also, so. But also you do vent. Yeah, I know. And, and his rants are legendary, as you said. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I think it was both of us ranting. I think we, he was saying that both of us had a legendary rant. I don't remember. The thing is, we also don't remember all that we've said either. So, that's, that's so let's try this. Let's go. I'm, I'm ready. Drawback of being honest is that you kind of get what you said. Right. You don't have to keep up with it. Generally. That's right. <laughs> don't worry. Dick will be coming back. He's recovered and ready to go again. Welcome back to the Pervert Nation. Here he is, Dick Dangle. All right, Anna, you are first and you wrote, Why did nobody tell me that being socially aware enough to freshen my breath and moisten my mouth for an hour of AVN interviews would actually result in losing charisma points for chewing gum while talking? And you had this video posted of you via tweet jackers and you are being interviewed and you are chewing gum. Now, I would rather see you or interview you while you are chewing gum like Burt Reynolds in Smokey and the Bandit than deal with bad breath. I'm not going to lie. But in always being that person or people that are focused is it difficult to kind of step away from that, even though you are being your authentic selves? Is it tough to go, oh man, I don't, I don't know if I like the way we did that. Like, is it, are you able to separate that and just go, you know what? That's good. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a certain uh, element of accepting personal fallibility um, in a way that 
I, I, I do, I did have like a big issue with ruminating on my past mistakes and, uh, and having like regrets and like, uh, I wish I went back and changed that. But, you know, we've been working on, on my mental health uh, a lot and uh, something has been trying to teach me that I've, I think finally accepted. Yes. Look at what you did wrong. Uh, or you think you did wrong, something you don't like the way it looks, or you don't present yourself in the best light. Take that pain and the sting of it, and then try to resolve how to change that for the future. So bookmark that, but only as a way to change the future. So for me, that was, I would also rather have fresh breath than uh, appear rude or whatever. I just didn't realize how bad that looks until after I, because you feel like you're doing small chews, but then like, nah, nah, nah. This is, this is. <laughs> I'm like, that just does not look good at all. I need to keep in mind because I'm not very. Yeah. And, and I think he was also of kind of that. getting at something that we've sort of intrinsically taken on, which is uh, there's a concept in Japan called, and I'm probably horribly mispronouncing this, uh, uh, Hone and Tatamai, which is basically your, your uh, outside face and your inside face. And there are people when uh, like Western people, when they first encounter this concept, they're like, oh, man, that seems so um, uh, disingenuous. That was my feeling for the right? longest time. And, about uh, it. and the truth of the matter is, no, it's bringing to the cognitive awareness, purposeful level that which people are always doing. And, and when you're when you're aware of what you're doing, yeah. you do it in a way that I don't know. It's it's causes less problems. It causes less <laughs> problems and is and is more honest. Uh, so so what I'm what I'm talking about with those two concepts is having an external face and an internal you know way in which you and, and understanding that there is a level of image that has to be maintained because as much as I rail against the fact that. Uh, you know, a comedian, you know, is is probably never going to be president of the United States. Uh, and We're I, not counting. And I, Trump. Right, right and, <laughs> not counting. Uh, and I, I really hate that uh that idea a lot i also accept that we're humans and we're only going to be able to overcome our instincts to a certain uh, mm -hmm. degree so there's always going to be this respectability thing there's always going to be image to some extent requirements i want to push that as far as possible uh, always but there is still some level of it and some of it's useful some of it's valuable there's some extent of it that, that's that's valuable to to putting your best foot forward and trying to represent an ideal that you want to be you know try always attempting to be you know a little better is i, I think a uh you know that's a growth mindset uh and so so in other words so there's a you can decide to see it as you know deceptive and i think that that's just wrong to view it in that perspective because i think when when people are doing it in a thoughtful manner that's when it's a a, a valuable thing still and so long as a person is still trying to hold that you know being of truth uh about them I think that we can understand that there are requirements of living, you know, just like we said before, you can't tell, uh, you can't tell the Nazis that Anne Frank is in the, the back room. There's just, there's just requirements that we all have to live with. And, and I personally found a certain level of growth through that because um, being someone that is neurodivergent and is sort of grew up in a certain way that I did, uh, it left me with some traumas and some scars that uh, made me be a certain kind of person that I did not particularly appreciate. Um, so I always wanted to change some parts of uh, 
my instincts. Uh, I have certain unhealthy instincts that I just did not want to be a part of me. And that's why I partially why I went to school for psychology, because I wanted to fix myself and fix others, you know, and so it is very true what they say about that. Um, But then, of course, knowing that neuroscience exists, you can't just have psychology, you need to also make sure the brain is fed the right things that the neurochemistry is right. There's a lot more of the body mind connection than uh, was realized at the time. And so in my experience, um, I was very staunch on only authentic expression, but that can also be your instantaneous expression. That can be your, maybe you're grumpy that day, but that's not really who you are, is it? And so um, through camming in particular, essentially it's a million little interviews every day. So there is some practice there with um, socializing and relating to humans. And um, I don't necessarily watch my own streams because they're not recorded, but that is where actual interviews are helpful. I can watch myself, <laughs> look, back on, look back on it and be like, oh yeah, I should so, oh, Maybe I should have done right. it. Um, it was a little too real. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. But through that, through camming, for instance, uh, I, I used to have these knee-jerk responses uh, by being my authentic self uh, and not masking where I was just like, oh, uh, that sucks. That's stupid. I don't like that. I don't want anything to do with that. Your wife who sucks. You know, like, <laughs> I don't like anything about what you just said. You know, so just being very like opinionated and very aggressive about it. And uh, as I yeah, start- Is that honesty or is it, you know, is it something right. else? Or is, it so, something, yeah. or is it just your instantaneous- You'll find as you, as you get to know us that we're, that probably the closest spiritual tradition that we match up with is Taoism. That, 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 where where the the strength is found found in the balance and not mm-hmm. at the extremes at the at the edges exactly yeah. yeah and so when I started um, accepting that part of my job as a, a camp performer um, who does solo streams or you know gives like one on one type experiences to people as well as group shows. I need to be a little softer. I need to be a little more feminine. And that's always something I wanted to be. But my natural instincts were a little bit more on the aggressive side. Um, I was socialized as a boy a little bit (laughs) growing up um, because of my natural proclivities, etc. And I started softening up in a sense that not like fake, not doing it externally, but changing myself from the inside and seeing that reflected on the outside. So whenever somebody would come in and they would say, oh, I like this thing. And my initial response would be like, well, I don't, that's stupid, but I hold that back. And I, and I go, oh, that's interesting, you know. <laughs> so it's, instead of completely cutting them off and uh, asserting your dominance or asserting your opinion, there's a way to find balance that you still maintain. To make space for other people. Make yeah. space for other people without compromising who you are. You don't have to be fake. You don't have to lie to them. You don't have to be like, oh, wow, I love that too. You know, but, but finding. So yeah, it's finding yeah. that balance of courage. And uh, for my personal growth, <laughs> right? Finding yeah. that balance of courage where you are representing as much of who you are as possible, while also making space for other people, is a balance that all of us are just you. Know, all of us are just screwing up yeah, constantly because it's it's not it's yeah. not some set thing. It's right. really hard to do. Yeah, just being more open minded, being more accepting, patient with others. That surprisingly translates to being patient with yourself. And for those who are like really hard on ourselves, we also end up being really hard on others. So uh, when you see a judgmental person, you got to realize that they're judging themselves. Yeah, they're tearing themselves up on the inside. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, people definitely need a lot more love. Discipline also, but the best kind of discipline is self-discipline. So, uh, you know, you you don't need to be doing it for them. Right, exactly, exactly. So uh, I will always advocate for more love, more acceptance, 
with an asterisk of self-discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Within this uh, conversation that we've had, you've literally broken down about a year and a half worth of therapy that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> We're sharing. This is our constant conversation is trying to, you know, basically figure out where we are, what we're doing and how to get where we want to go. And have, you know, a, better, have a better experience uh, being ourselves, like existing as a human. How do you maximize that experience for yourself and others? So, yeah, the, the neuroscience training really helped us. It really did. Now, speaking of being open minded, this one is for you, Richard. All right. You wrote Uh-oh. when you make adult content, you come to realizations you wouldn't expect. For instance, today I realize why we have butthole hair. Nature's muffler. Too many naked butthole hunters died from ripping one in the woods. Smooth cheeks, scared off prey, eaten by a saber tooth. <laughs> if, hold, I need a moment because that is, it's beautiful. I, I, I honestly think that should be cross-stitch on a throw pillow. <laughs> but, but let me ask this. What other adult realizations have you had in your time as camp? people and content makers there have to be um, other ones that are just like there yeah oh gee a, a lot of it i think what it, it's kind of when you play okay one of the, the the realizations is uh the one from uh who's the guy with jeff foxworthy and all of those guys who does that joke where basically it's like do ron you White? yeah ron white i think is the one who makes that joke where he he's like uh uh so do you want uh you know a, a tiny little you know uh flaccid dick in oh. your uh <laughs> Right. And just the realization that one of the things that you end up uh, kind of dealing with, because I was brought up in that like hyper masculine, you know, uh, the overly homophobic, just that, that whole nonsense. Maybe just slightly toxic. Yeah, maybe, a maybe a little toxic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so you kind of have this realization of uh, a lot of these realizations that women have their entire lives, you know, things like how many times that, uh, for instance, how a woman can't trust compliments, for instance, uh, that it may be somebody just trying to get something out of you. Uh, there's a lot of things that you end up when you're when you're in this industry, you start learning things that that are not immediately apparent when you're just living, you know, typical like like I was a programmer for a long time. And you know, it, it, there was just a lot of lessons that came forward. And that was that, that's one of them. Just some of the things that women go through and why when you're not on that side of it, you might not understand why a person would be so quick to to push away compliments so quick to there's a lot of different things uh you know that where people do things that seem like they're nice and that person a lot of times doesn't know that they're attempting to get something right they don't know that they're kind of requiring oh i've given you this gift now i want something in return you know it's like, i paid you 25 cents yeah. be my best friend for the next five years right and so those those are a lot of the realizations but yeah the uh and then shaving my whole body thing it's like oh god it's oh the 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 pain of going through that the process <laughs> the time it takes yeah so that was one of the funnier um uh realizations i have but there's been a lot more where where basically i've just gotten a perspective on things that uh you know where i understand things that look like bad behaviors from an uh, from an ignorant perspective and then you realize wait a minute those are necessary behaviors that is necessary for a person to be a little more 
cold on first interaction. It is necessary for, you know, uh, for safety. There's just a lot of things that, that seem like, oh, you're just being mean. You're just being an asshole. You're just not being friendly. And it's like, no, you're this person is, is constantly exposed to people trying to get something from them. Right. Always. Everything is just the, and so their experience of life is requiring very that paranoid right <laughs> and it's real experience yeah. i mean it's like it's not it's not just paranoid it is a it's a probability in other words what is the likelihood that you are engaging me in a genuine manner that uh that doesn't expect anything of me and for for a beautiful woman a lot of times that that the probability of that is near zero and unfortunately and, and so it's like yeah. that that is a that is that lived experience is something you only kind of easily come to once you've started you know being with a person who does that or you've been in in the industry and so there's just the, yeah a lot of little insights like that that's the one I, only one i can really think of right now but i i know there's others what about the big penises in porn though oh oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like to say it's like yeah uh, they, they've been they've been uh measuring from their asshole since day one you know <laughs> there is a tremendous amount, and this is very inside baseball but there is a, and I always talk about it on cam because guys, regular humans are like, oh, can we do small dick humiliation? And then they have like six inches. I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, you do not know what a small penis is, please. But to be fair to them, there is a tremendous amount of um, um, PR yep. <laughs> in the adult industry where uh, numbers are associated with sizes that those are not the numbers whatsoever. No. And so then the average person tries to. Oh, and there are some guys with some just enormous dogs, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, it's freaks of nature. You know? it's Absolutely. Like... Uh, however, we do know the record holder is 13 inches. And once in you the do... world. In the world. And once you <laughs> do. And once you see that, it is insane like visually yeah. insane so, and so there's so much so much is camera tricks so much is other uh, one of the reasons why you you have these little tiny dudes uh a lot of times is because it makes their junk look gargantuan i was just talking up, to someone about this look up your your favorite porn star's height the female porn the female star one. she is five foot yeah. Yeah, they're 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 fucking munchkins okay <laughs> And so, of course, it makes the, their dick look gargantuan, which yes. is cool. It looks, I mean, hey, I, I I get into that too, you know. But it's like I haven't I haven't had enough spinners yet. I, you know, right. I want to want to do some of those four foot nine girls. I know? am because I've been doing all the model sized girls. Okay, right. <laughs> Me and my friends were all five seven to five nine. Uh, I did. I went through piano school, so my hand I can actually grab an octave with oh, my. Okay. Hand. I have a. Yeah. So so whenever I put my hand on his dick, relatively. It doesn't look like porn looks, but I can grab an octave with my hand and it's still two hands on his dick. And then some people don't realize the size. Of, it's actually a massive dick. It causes problems sometimes. But like, I can't really but talk the, about that because of the visuals of the pairing of big uh, Also, what, you know, the thing is we spent so much time in uh, achieving, first off, looking at the real science behind uh, female orgasm and looking at uh, and making here. sure to, uh, that, that she achieves orgasm. And that's the other thing is there's just this enormous cultural weight of misunderstanding what where a woman feels things okay in other words it's like like guys and what environment she feels them in right it's like it's porn. like imagine it's like can you come from just having your taint and the bottom of your balls you know rubbed or tickled most guys the answer to that is no okay uh, maybe there's a few freaks out there that can and good for them right hey <laughs> you lucky you buddy yeah but that's not most of us and and the same thing is true of a woman's vagina v vaginal sex 
is a turn on. I mean, because, hey, yes. uh, who doesn't like their balls licked? Who doesn't, you know, that's fucking great. You know, yeah. fucking love it. Yes, please do that more. As a matter of fact, do not forget to touch the balls. Absolutely. But, but that is not necessarily the main event that's going to get you to an orgasm. As a matter of fact, it's definitely not the main event that's going to get you to orgasm. And so this, this basic understanding has driven porn for years because of people's expectations and you've got to meet their expectations because if you're doing something that isn't what they expect, they don't realize that's what reality is. Right. They just have these expectations. And so there's kind of been this feedback loop between people expecting porn to be a certain way and then porn We're trying to, pre- that, yeah. to deliver what people want. And so there's a, the, yeah, that but then feedback. People don't necessarily want that because they can tell people are faking. And so it's this whole catch yeah, 22. It really is. And that you find that in all kinds of relationships where people are trying to deliver what the other person wants and the other person person is you know they've got that that loop there and so it's just a uh it's a problem and so i work out once again i'm, I'm loving that i'm seeing there's sort of a, a you know people are kind of breaking from that and it's becoming more frequent and more and more and more frequent that you know girls are stimulating themselves in porn and and uh, and guys are focusing on you know stimulating the the clit more and and because there is really the reason for an orgasm gap, well, it's all of us. Let's—I I don't like the whole thing where people try to blame it. It's like, oh, yeah. I never came. Well, maybe you didn't, uh, you know, uh, didn't know communicate. How, yeah, didn't maybe you didn't know. Didn't maybe know you didn't how. communicate. You know, th- it takes two to tango. So mm-hmm. maybe both of you were involved in that fault, and it wasn't just one person's fault that you didn't have an orgasm. Right. And 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 not just that. The funny thing is, society has literally been involved in people not achieving orgasm frequently enough you know they've literally been had these expectations that you're it's going to happen immediately that you're not a good lover if you can't immediately make a girl come with your dick alone and just all these weird expectations that are just wrong and so uh so that's the other thing is just realizing how uh, that perspective of the expectations it's like you got to create this hot thing and this is what people want to see they want to see hard really hard pounding really fucking fast right. and you know it's like and it's like well that's not really gonna make a girl have an orgasm necessarily that would be uh, an they, intense experience but... an intense experience can be fun yeah. it can be a lot of fun and, they, and a girl isn't lying when they are showing that they are enjoying an intense experience but that's then, not a lie that is an enjoyment of an intense experience and sometimes you have uh third factors like uh you know um antidepressants and serotonin drugs that are actually deadening literal oh. sensations oh, not so- just that a lot of guys are now understanding that the whole serotonin issue and, and uh the way that that impacts uh orgasm as well right. and so now that there's a lot more depression drugs out there a lot more men are understanding hey wait a minute i want to have sex and then also i can't have an orgasm uh you know right. that's right yeah. and so being i guess just honesty man it just sets people free and it's like that's acknowledging that is, things that's what we want is to set people free from all of the things that we accidentally are the standards that we're holding each other to. Uh, so yeah, I just wish we could do more of that. But yeah, that's one of the things that the, the female orgasm, the, the importance of the clit. And, and that was another one of those, those um, realizations of how all of that was happening. I teach people on camp that all the time. Uh, I mean, there was a, even a comedian at one point who he felt it was his duty to tell other men that, hey, when she puts a vibrator on her clit or a, a wand, where does she put it? On the outside. 
well, yeah, duh. It didn't even occur to me that some people are like, put your vibrator inside yourself. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Why? Right. That's not how any of that works. I mean, yeah, there's the G-spot, which is the other side of the clitoris. The clitoris is actually a horseshoe-shaped muscle, which is why anal feels good in women. And in fact, what I teach people on cam as well all the time too, is that uh, just like you need your head stimulated for orgasm, we need our clit stimulated because it is the same organ. The and bo- sometimes yeah. there's, as bodies rub together, the, there is some clit stimulation, Pressure, of course. Yes. And, you know, there's certain some, positions, but sometimes it's just convenient to be so acknowledging of the need for clit stimulation that it is just a normal part of daily sex. You know, that, that it should be a normal part of daily sex that you're, that, you know, if you're wanting for both of you to achieve orgasm. And that's one of the things that we've actually been very good at for a long time is achieving simultaneous orgasm. You know, it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lot of fun. Not easy. <laughs> no, it is not. I've only ever had one partner. I can honestly yeah. say that that was like that. Now, Cherry, you wrote, I make time out of my insanely busy day to check in on people who claim me as a friend servers uh, to catch up on their lives and put retweets to make them feel seen. And when that basic kindness is not freely given to me, but also not returned, forget about it. As of 2023, I am done indulging in my toxic trait of showing unrequited support to my peers and aspiring protégés. If you can't give me back as much as I'm investing in you, clearly you are a full vessel that needs nothing from me, and that is what I shall give. Dark Cherry Rant over. Thank you for coming to my villain monologue. <laughs> I I love this. I love Dark Cherry and her STEM talk, if you will. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, my favorite people are the ones that they they follow me, and I follow them, and I retweet, and I show support, and I'm not getting anything back. And I look, and they've unfollowed me. They just follow you to you know make you follow That's them, happened. and then they dump you. Oh, I hate it. As adult performers, how do you navigate landmines but necessities when it comes to social media without losing your mind? Well, he's not on social media that much. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, it's it's been a work in progress. Uh, losing my Twitter was actually kind of good for a little bit, but I'm very glad to have it back. And it's just about setting personal limits. Uh, that's actually why I have such an insanely small follow list. Uh, It is uh, literally part of my mental health uh, because as I scroll through, I'm exposed to a lot of things that each new mind requires that much more extra time of just filtering everything out that you got through it uh, and making sure that you didn't like get any weird poisonous viral ideas that are not good. You mentally are what you mentally eat. Yes. Yes. And and so, and for me though, the social media, like I've gotten to a point where that's really not that big of a deal, but the, the sort of the, the sore spot uh, and, and the, and the emotion in that tweet had to do with essentially something I didn't really realize was happening or because I never saw myself as like a popular person or somebody that people are trying to suck up to just to get something from me. Um, That's kind of a new thing uh, because of tabletopless specifically and just growing through, of course, community and, and other ways in which we're starting to be recognized in the industry. Because of that, there's this thing where people I thought were friends 
and I'm very open uh, and I kind of bowl through red flags sometimes when it's fellow adult people. And especially my thing's always been reaching down and lifting others up. Uh, we have a little collective for disabled models and things like that. So I, I have a blind spot. And because of that, uh, I didn't really check because I was being a good friend and I didn't really check if people were giving that back to me. And then once it all started sort of staggering, I realized that I was missing so many red flags. There's so many ways in which I took their words at face value without looking at what was happening. And so that was kind of a, a little bit of a difficult lesson, but at the same time. Yeah. Just noticing how much people don't uh, reciprocate and things like that is too much of a difficulty to be exposed to frequently. So we actually are always trying to limit our exposure to uh, social media because social media basically has turned the world into, you know, high school used to end at the end of high school and now high school has extended into adulthood. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and that is a very, very bad thing for everyone. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, it is it's it's not healthy to you know, the thing is there is a necessity of some level of promotion on social media, but the heartache and, and collaborations uh, and, and the, you know the 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 social aspect of social media is it's I I don't think it's good for anyone mentally and uh, and so that's that's one of those prices that we have to pay uh, and it's not uh, necessarily paid willingly but it it's paid willingly but it's just like it, only but you catch things that mm, you know yeah it's a, it's a very we, we want to put the minimum into that expense because it's a right. big one uh, and uh, yeah that, that is uh, that's part of what why there's uh, a lot of times she'll just clear all of her follows you know specifically because she just can't listen to other people's ideas. And, you know, one of the things that we have spent a lot of time doing is recognizing that, you know, like I said before, you mentally are what you mentally eat. So when you, whatever, whatever media you're watching, whatever people you look up to, the, all those YouTube, things, I unfollow a bunch of, right. All those yeah. things are altering your perspective of yourself, of reality, uh, and, and what you believe to be good, what you believe to be valuable. Mm -hmm. All those things are being slowly altered. If you're realistic about what you, about how influenceable, every human really actually is. Mm -hmm. And so being careful about that, being a little more cognizant of what am I exposing myself to on a regular basis? What am I thinking about? Whose thoughts am I thinking about? And, and just this perspective of whenever you try to manipulate something, you are manipulating yourself. So whenever you are when trying you to be yourself, something, yeah. shape something, shape yourself for social media, you're allowing social media to shape you. Right. you it's know, like a key on a lock. You know, you shape yourself to be a key that unlocks a lock, but then that lock shaped you to be exactly how it wants you to be. Yeah. Right. And so there's a, so that is the, 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 the dichotomy of any kind of like all of us have a an attempt to manipulate our circumstances, but that manipulation ends up being self manipulation at the behest of others. And so being aware of that, being aware of all those things means that sometimes we have to risk this. Like, I hope, you know, it's like, I hope you guys don't know, uh, don't think that I'm, um, and that you know that I am, uh, you know, I mean well, but I can't engage too much uh, on things like social media. I can't spend a lot of time doing that because it'll just suck away my life, suck away my happiness. And there's a, mm -hmm. and, and and I would hope you too would understand that it's like we there's there's a limitation that we can you know of what we can engage with, what we can do there, and uh, and sometimes that's going to be a little offensive, specifically like with the, her follow list constantly, you know, pruning it down. Am I do I need to listen to this person's thoughts? a whole lot do i need to be ex exposed to them should i and so she did you know has to regularly kind of you know 
clean that out. And- well, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I've, I've done that. And like, it's not a good look and it, I'm sure it doesn't feel good. But at the same time, like I just need it for myself and that's okay. But I just, I found that I've developed slightly uh, updated uh, protocols, which is, do I need to follow this person for social reasons, for like collaboration? Is this good for my career? Well, if it's a networking thing and they are uh, putting out a lot of personal stuff that is triggering my own uh, weird, like emotional problems, well, I can mute them, you know, and maintain that relationship still. Uh, But at the same time, uh, I also have now stopped just kind of jumping into the deep end and kind of taking my time with things. And to not really push that button until I'm sure. Yeah, it's um, such a weird mix of business and personal that it's a uh, that it's it's a it's a minefield. And uh, and so, yeah, trying to try to always step away from it. We're constantly trying to step away from it as much as possible in cycles. And and unfortunately that, yeah, doesn't and, always go that well. Yeah. You know? and trying not to be a hypocrite where the things that I tweet, uh, you know, I, I I'm realizing it is a brand account in a certain way. And and there's sometimes you, 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 when there is that personal aspect, you end up expecting a little too much of people. Mm-hmm. And the, and that's one of the things we just talked about literally yesterday. And it's like, if you expect too much of them, then, you know, there's kind of this hurt and then you, and then you have the, the resentment and there's just, but it's you, you that you was just, expecting it. So it's kind of on right. you. So you but... just kind of try to, you have to avoid that as much mm-hmm. as you can, you know, and, and be like, hey, you're just a person trying to do whatever you're going to do. And sometimes sometimes you may be self-obsessed because we all are. Maybe you're just missing this or that. And maybe maybe you don't even realize what your actions are, how you know, you, you can't even see them. You can't see that you haven't been reciprocating or you're just not aware of it. Or maybe there's something keeping you from doing it. So just trying to have that understanding, I, I guess, that sort of that's the, the try to return to peace about it that we're constantly, you know, instating for ourselves. Yeah, we're constantly seeking peace, yes, which sometimes means turning things off. Yeah. Yeah, there is nothing more difficult than not responding to someone that is writing something in a way that they want you to respond because, you know, there are times where people will complain about something ad nauseum about social media or Mm -hmm. about their occupation or something like that, and they're just looking at that. And it it turns into, but but it's me. What about me? And it is just like, no, nope, this is your moment. This is your. <laughs> I told somebody that I, I told my therapist. To me, it's almost performance art, where mm-hmm. someone like you know they need to be the center of attention, whether it's good or bad, and they are just mm-hmm. either losing their mind or they're upset or whatever the situation is. And I've learned to just kind of step back and, and watch it as performance art. And when they're done <laughs> in my brain, that second part of me goes, Oh, very nice. Very nice. And then I just let it go because I can't take that energy with me. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's right. an interesting. I like that perspective because I've experienced people like that too. And it's like this person, you know, I'm told is being good for my career. And then I just, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, that is just a barrage of negativity uh, that I understand there are problems in our industry and they do need to be addressed. But I don't think this is the tone we need to be using because it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help. It makes you feel like shit. It makes people on the opposite side of you resentful and angry because of the way you're phrasing things like there are more 
healthy ways of doing this, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah, and exactly. I can't How change. to live your life, right? right? Yeah. I can't influence other people uh, in that way. So uh, stepping away and like, I, I just, I can't, I'm going to unfollow this. Yeah. I'm sorry. We, we have always been so hyper uh, anti-drama too. Yeah, oof, man. Uh, any kind of drama, we, we avoid it like the plague. And that's the thing. I just keep my thing to people I've met in person. And who, hey, it's okay to, to vent. Everybody yeah, needs yeah. to vent. We understand it's a friend. It's a friendly thing to do is yeah. allow a person a space to vent about the problem. I have a room problem. in my server that does right? that. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like you, people have to have that. They need friends to show that they care. Mm -hmm. And so there is, you know, making space for people to vent is cool. But then there's something beyond venting, like what right. you were talking about, where there is a, it goes from venting to performance. All right. <laughs> yes, <indeed. laughs> that's a, I, I like that perspective because that's going to make me feel much better about, um, I, I know people that experience severe physical disabilities. Mm -hmm that are um, not apparent. So like a silent disability or an invisible disability. And uh, as I mentioned before, part of our um, thing, uh, part of our collective, our camming studio, me giving uh, tips and tricks that we've learned is essentially sharing information that uh, we gathered with blood, sweat and tears. Um, I do kind of keep it close to my chest, but I also really want to empower others and especially those that are um, disabled for various reasons and can only find uh, solace in sex work because it makes them feel sexy. They can set their own hours. Uh, they actually can work from home, various things that are very important to disabled people. And so someone who's been around, I, I, I would consider myself somewhat emotionally disabled because there are things I'm working through. Uh, but I also know people with severe physical disabilities and the marker of those people in my 35 years of experience has been that they don't really talk about it as much as they should, but part it's part of coping because they, they literally cannot focus on it. They're trying to distract themselves um, as well. And the way they show up to events, the way they pull everything they have to the very last ounce of their energy and they just put it out there and they try to be happy and they try to lift everyone else up. That is what truly deeply disabled people do. And then you have people that also are suffering from... I would say lesser disabilities objectively, but also, you know, various other kinds of physical ailments. And they kind of make that their personality to the point where that is the only thing they talk about. And I don't want to comment on because I'm not their doctor or whatever, but like we have x-rays, we have physical evidence that is like that is not a sprain is not as hurtful as a broken bone like there are certain common sense things about that and so to see people who are objectively experienced less uh become so engrossed in it and caught up in it and because of their focus on it it becomes even more amplified in their lives and that really frustrates me because i know people that are suffering on an insane daily basis and they do not do that they put their best foot forward they try their hardest and so it makes me angry on behalf of these people that are suffering when uh the squeaky wheel gets all the grease and the more you're suffering the less especially some demographics the less they can talk about it and i i just get so angry and so frustrated so I like your approach. Uh, that's really going to help me with with not being so personally upset by it, that it's like it is a performance. It is what you do as part of your brand. More power to you, I guess. I, I don't agree with it, but, you know, that's not my life. Yeah. Sometimes certain things are right for certain lives that are not not right for your life. Yeah, exactly. And the Oscar goes to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep. Now, the last tweet I would like to have Richard talk about. You wrote, so, pulled over to eat Jack in the Box as Vegas <laughs> drunk food. I've stared at this thing out the front of my car the whole time I ate, and it's still a mystery. I've spent my life studying esoteric secrets of the universe, but I'm stumped. Is it a religious item or alien beacon? Now, if I could, for the listeners, what it basically looks like is part of a sailboat mast with a mainsail tied in a knot around the branch of a tree. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's what it is, but that's kind of what it looks like. Did you come up with a feasible answer? Because mine, if it is a mainsail from a boat, I would imagine that was the original high water mark for Las Vegas before it started to lose all of its water to where it's at now. But (laughs) did you come up with an answer? And isn't it like when you are where you are in your brains, is it fun to kind of get lost in stuff like that and create these little avenues and stories to kind of lose yourself and be creative in? Oh, absolutely. That's part of uh, like uh, part of the process of developing like a game system, which uh, right now is kind of something I'm doing, which I, I'm not. Uh, it's got my. Um, You're not at liberty to. Discuss. Right, exactly. I'm not, I'm not at liberty to, do- to dox myself because it's related to my uh, more personal name, which at some point I'm sure that the those two those two uh, names will crash. But uh, I'm you know working on a uh, on developing a new role playing game, and so one of the things that I'm doing is using. Uh, all the modern lore of conspiracy theory and uh, except for the negative ones, you know, let's, let's not have any baby eating. That's, uh, you know, that's not, like, let's, let's, you know, that's not fun. Uh, yeah. But the more fun conspiracy theories yeah. uh, to have this whole, you know, different alternative perspective on what the world, what's going on in the world. And, you know, uh, you know, everything from the aliens and a- a- ancient advanced civilizations and all of that. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm like developing a, a role-playing game system and I'm tying in real science with it, real alternative, you know, perspective science. And so that it can really be something that people can go and, and uh, whether they're actually into conspiracy theory or if they're just like, you know, what is this crazy world? I just want to look at it for entertainment's sake. Uh, there's there, it does both. And so, yeah, there's uh, going through the, the being playful with reality and just uh, looking at the, uh, the the ways that things might come together is definitely part of uh, what we're constantly, you know, always doing. We love anime. We love fantasy. We read tons and tons of fantasy books along with all the uh, the science stuff. We love puns and wordplay, just any kind of creative play yeah. of any kind. Yeah, exactly. So, so that thing, it was, I mean, it was literally right there at the, the jack of the box. I mean, we pulled over in the jack of the box. You can was, see like a gas station's like thing in the background. I have to imagine it was some, um, some houseless person had uh, just decided to tie that metal. I don't, I don't know what the metal object was. I have no idea. Actually, the sail mask kind of makes sense because it looks like a jacket, but it looks like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't No, There's no way of knowing. No way. They were, (laughs) they were in touch. They were in touch with another dimension at that time. Okay. And they were, and that was a symbol. Okay. It was a, it was a signal to some, you know, ancient, 
you know, uh, dark, gods. dark, yeah, gods that are that are <laughs> gibbering behind the veil of reality, and uh, and so yeah, that was I lost a, a point of sanity there just by viewing it. And anybody who goes to view that treat, I, I have to give you a, a warning: you Disclaimer. will lose a little bit of sanity, uh, you know, permanently by viewing that object it is, and uh, contemplating it. It's and contemplating mean. it. Don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. The two of you are absolutely amazing. You are beyond fascinating. Uh, your intelligence and sexuality and understanding is absolutely amazing. And to see what you have brought to this show and to the listeners, I can't thank you enough. I think this is this is going to be one of the most listened to episodes of the year. I have no doubt. This has just been awesome. Thank so, you so much, much fun. Absolutely. That. So one question before I let you go. What do you guys have planned for the rest of 2023? Is it going to just be camming content and working on that stuff? Do you have any little secrets that you can kind of tease? Are you going to be doing any conventions? What do you got going on? Well, if I were to uh, talk about what's super important to me right now, to us, to our future, to literally everything, uh, sexworksavelives.com. Um, d- don't go there. I mean, well, you, you can't. It's a fundraiser. <laughs> it's a fundraiser. I am not soliciting any funds, but but that is something that is uh, explained there. Like a big part of what we're doing is moving to Las Vegas, and we've been to California, been in California for a while. Uh, so it's like a big move in the middle of the winter, in the middle of the housing market weirdness. So we're trying uh, to do that right now, and it's super super stressful. But it's going to be so good once we get there we have so many friends there already yes we're basically we've been oh. hyping each other up we're like yeah we're gonna be the sluttiest sluts that ever fucking slutted it's gonna be yes, great yes, <laughs> yes. we're gonna have so much fun hot sex there's all so many fun hot people all in there, Vegas. Yeah, it's, there, so it's gonna be great we're gonna make so much content it's gonna be the best <laughs> um, and uh, we're actually going back there uh, at the end of march uh, to sort of uh, to Vegas to to look at some places because uh, we gotta kind of find something by then and move uh, hopefully by the middle of April so it's like the the, the crunch is on. Uh, as far as any kind of conventions, uh, obviously everything is super in flux. Uh, but the goal is to just keep camming and making money, keep tabletop. Yeah, we'll start, start going to more. I mean, we're we're kind of uh, well, we're locked in for we community. Really, yeah, we really uh, like. Well, why not? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we love them. They're Absolutely. a great community. Um, uh, looking forward to our second year uh, at Why Not Community. Hopefully our third nomination and hopefully our first win. Yes. <laughs> All right. uh, and then uh, AVNs again, but that'll be next year. But we already trying to make some plans with some Scandinavian friends. Uh, this, this lovely Oh, that's woman. right. Yeah, we were thinking uh, about Stella going to. Stella yeah, she, she, uh, we're, we're trying to get her over to uh, visit us in Vegas. She's uh, She wants to, to visit America and it's like uh, have some fun adventures. So we're looking forward to that and all the possibilities uh but aside from community i can't really think of any anything else that we are completely committed to because it's just about finding yeah yeah this the the uh, trying to get the everything hammered down for yeah. uh for moving has been a uh a, well keeping our show running yeah, weekly keeping our show running. Yeah. so we may be uh adding additional days mm-hmm. uh because like uh like i said we're actually kind of uh developing this this um new game system yeah new game system in the background uh that is uh that we may end up using and it's like uh i'm I'm, it's like a positive side. I'm wary thing. of like because, like I said, it's go, it, it's basically going to dox me, uh, and I'm like trying to figure out how to because um, I, I want to be able to use it in both places. In other words, like I want my actual real like I you know I have journal publications and things like that that I you know I want to be able to use in this role playing game, but then I also want to be able to use the role playing game 
in our sex work. And so it's like, ah, oh, what do I do? And, uh, and so that's kind of one of those things where I'm still agonizing he, over. His circle of friends professionally is like Nobel laureates that are like 70 plus years old. Yeah. So, so, and but hopefully they, they understand. They'll, think, they won't. Yeah. They, they'll they'll probably have to disown me because that's just how things work. But uh, you know, like, you're not very owned as it is because you, you're pushing for revolution. And that is, you know, always something that's. Um, yes. They, they, they'll, they'll have to claim they don't know me. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can just, you can wish the world is a different way or you can do as much as you can to, uh, to try to make it a a different way. And I I guess I've I've settled on the, the second, but you know, uh, Hey, you know, that's how all of us have to find some meaning, some, some purpose in in life. And that's kind of my thing is, uh, doing it through these, these projects and stuff. Mm -hmm. I I could see it right now where a 70 year old. Nobel laureate is like, you know what? I'm very disappointed and I can't be seen with you. I can't talk to you anymore. Um, can you get me Phoenix Marie's autograph? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's one of the, uh, perks, I guess, of, of being, uh, who we are and what we do and, um, having so many beautiful women around us as we used to do only women threesomes, but now we've like expanded and I'm doing things, uh, and, and we're doing things in groups with people. Um, well, him with women, me with men <laughs> and women. Um, but uh, we've always had a group of people around us. And so uh, there's a lot of people who want to know us because of all the the orbiting sexy ladies and the connections that we have. And so it's it's been kind of a mixed blessing, I guess, on that front. Yeah, I'm sure. So one more time before I let you go, can you please tell everybody where they could find you online and on social media so they can go and see what all this greatness is about? Well, I will make it easy for them. Uh, RichardRall.com for his uh, social media links and AnnaCherry.link for my social links. And everything is there. Excellent. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to see the feedback on this. It's been amazing getting to know you in these two hours. And uh, I'm sure I will see you down the road at a convention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yes. Uh, thanks again for having us on. You've been a fantastic host. Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and I wish we had time to ask you more questions. As a matter of fact, after, I do we, have a question. after we get done here, we're going we're gonna to interview you some more. I do, I oh, do. you have a question. Okay. I do have a Please. question. As uh, AVNs, uh, you brought up the, the fact that we met there fortuitously and, uh, and you are absolutely the same on and off air, which I always appreciate uh, to see people that are consistent. Uh, however, I do believe you yourself are now dabbling in the adult industry. <laughs> Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I uh, was lucky enough to uh, collaborate with someone. Uh, her name is Ruby Lynn, and uh, she reached out to me to collaborate because she had seen that I had done blood work. And I had mm-hmm. done that basically to show solidarity to the industry. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if anyone had maybe cancellation and they knew me and they were comfortable with me, that we could work. And when she saw me post that, she was like, oh, what kind of content do you shoot? And I said, well, I'm not going to lie to you. I've never shot. And uh, <laughs> that she actually found that more arousing. And uh, we Hot. planned it for uh, AVN. And the scene went uh, very well, a lot better than I was actually expecting. And awesome. now that 
people have seen it. They have opened up to me about, you know, maybe me collaborating with them. So it's been a very surreal uh, experience. I did an episode a couple shows ago and it was just like, I don't get it, you know, but (laughs) I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that. I've been going to conventions as a fan since 2008 and mm-hmm. I've been doing this podcast for eight and a half years and I have mm. a presence kind of in the periphery of the industry mm-hmm. that where I showed respect and, and I was kind and, and supportive and people just kind of gravitated to that. And it's, it's been interesting. It's going to be an interesting 2023 to say the least. <laughs> yes. Exactly. We're right there with you. So you're going to slut it up in 2023 too. Oh, All right. from your, from your mouth to God's ears, my friend. <laughs> and shout out to Ruby, uh, ePlay brand ambassador. Uh, we are, we are ePlay fans. So, uh, so yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing more of you, our ePlay family, streamate family, everybody uh, at AVMs next year too. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. So once again, thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you down the road. Take care.